We're continuing the series, Summer at the Movies. And the topic that we are covering today is, are you worthy? Now, movies for me has had a major impact on my life. I remember as a kid, when we used to live in the city, every Friday, almost every Friday, if not Friday, it was Saturday, after school, after my parents got home from work, we went to Blockbuster. How many of you guys know about Blockbuster? Yeah, yeah. So every Friday or Saturday, we were going to Blockbuster. We were getting our VHS at the time, and then it turned into DVDs, and then no more. But at the time, we were getting our movies, two movies, popcorn, and candy for everybody. And I used to be a candy fiend. Now I've got myself out of it, I'm proud to say. But that used to be our thing. Every Friday night as a family, that's what we did. We spent time watching movies. And then Saturday morning, wake up, bowl of cereal, me and my mom watching movies again. And even to this day, with my wife and my kids, we watch movies all the time. I prefer to watch movies over regular TV. And funny enough, almost every Sunday, pretty much every Sunday, but we as a family with Pastor Zay, Pastor Net, my wife and kids, my sister Karina, we try to watch movies every Sunday. And when the reason why I say try is because usually some people are falling asleep. We can't pick a movie because we've already seen it or like, you know how it goes. It's, it's, it's a battle. But we still to this day choose movies as a great way to spend time with one another. And the movie that I'm going to highlight today is part of a series. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. It's a part of the Avengers series. So the movie that I'm highlighting is Avengers Endgame, which is where they get their redemption at Thanos. And I don't know how many of you guys are familiar. If you're familiar with Avengers, let me see you show of hands, just so I know my audience. Okay, a lot of you. All right. So for those of you who don't know, Avengers are a team of superheroes. You have the original six, who is Captain America, Iron Man, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Hulk, and Thor. The original six. Now, I'm not going to highlight all six of them, but the person that I'm highlighting out of that team is Captain America himself. And there's a reason why Captain America is so important with this topic about being worthy. So, I don't know, because a lot of you have seen Avengers, so I'm assuming you've seen all of them. You have the second Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron, where there's a scene in that movie where they're, all the heroes are hanging out at Iron Man's house. Because Iron Man, a.k.a. Tony Stark, super rich guy. He's got, a, he's, got a, he's got a baller house. And all the heroes, after spending their day doing whatever heroes do, they're at the house, they're hanging out, they're having a laugh. And this one Avenger named Thor has this special weapon. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with, but it's called, I almost said it wrong, Mjolnir. Mjolnir. There you go. I did say it wrong. I try, I try so hard not to mess up, but I did it. So Mjolnir is this special mythic weapon. Now, I'm not going to go into like, the science about it because I can get real geeky, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> to keep it simple, this weapon is special. And if you are able to wield this weapon... You are worthy of ruling Asgard. But it's not just Asgard, as we come to learn later on throughout the series. It's really you become a defender of people. If you are able to wield this weapon, you are worthy to be a defender and use this weapon. So in Age of Ultron, that Avengers movie, there's a scene where they're all hanging out. And Thor is the only one who's actually able to lift up this hammer. He's the only person that's actually able to use it. But they give you a little tidbit of heroes trying to do it. So you got Hulk, which at the time was Bruce Banner. That's the little doctor version versus the big green monster. So he jokingly tries to pick it up, pretends to turn into the Hulk. They didn't laugh. They thought it was corny. Then you have Iron Man who ends up using his suit and another guy who's using parts of his suit to try to lift it up. They can't do it. Black Widow's like, I'm not even going to try. And Hawkeye tries no avail. 
But when Captain America does it, it budged a little. And when it budged, Thor's face was like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? And he started freaking out. And then Captain America kind of gave up, and he was so relieved. You can see it all on Thor's face. That's not the clip I'm showing you today. But the clip that I'm going to show you, when this happened, I remember being in theaters. And there are people that went back to theaters multiple times to see this movie. And I remember being in theaters, and when this scene happened, the entire theater broke out cheering, standing, clapping the whole nine. It still gives me goosebumps. When I watched the first service, it gave me goosebumps. I might get goosebumps again. And that's just because I get so invested in a good story that I become, like, a little annoying about it. Like, my wife will say, I get annoying about movies. Because, like, I'm not just interested in the movie. I want to know how they made it. How did they do this one scene? How did they, like, what are the problems that they face while doing it in production versus what we see now? And I get heavily invested. So we're going to play this clip. I hope you guys enjoy. For some of you, it's just a movie with some fighting and some cool animation. But for me, somebody who has been invested in this whole series since Iron Man came out in, like, what was it, 2004, 2005? Those, these movies mean so much. And I don't mean to, like, I know we're in church. We're supposed to be talking about God. I'm going to get there. But, like, this, the, this series is so important. Like, so who he's fighting in that moment, the big purple guy, his name is Thanos. He's beating up on Thor. And then, he, and then you see Captain America wielding this weapon. And in this movie, Avengers Endgame, which is where this clip is from, it's their second shot at defeating Thanos. It's their redemption. And in the first movie, you kind of, or not the first movie, the first Avengers Endgame, you see them kind of like all separated and trying to do it their own way. But they're all trying to do the same thing, but they're all kind of individually trying to get it done. Versus in this movie, you really see them band together, unified. And when Captain America is wielding this weapon, it's not like, okay, I'm the hero. I'm going to get it done. This is about me. No, it was about redemption. This was about bringing back half of all life that has, that has existed. Because that's what Thanos did. He wiped out half of everybody. And this is their redemption on bringing those people back. So when we talk about are you worthy as Christians... We have to understand what is it that makes us worthy. So it's a subject of great importance because when we understand our worth, we learn who God is, who we are, and what God's plan is for us. And the definition of worthy is having or showing the qualities or abilities that merit recognition in a specified way. Now, when it comes to our qualities and abilities, we need to look from God's perspective. Because sometimes we look at the things that we think we're able to do and think we're not able to do. And then we choose to compare ourselves to others who are doing the things we wish we were doing. And then we put ourselves down. We consider ourselves to be lesser. Yet, similar to what Ms. Teresa said during, during the, the offering, we have all been given the measure of faith. We are all established in the way that God made us, which is... Yes, we are individually and wonderfully made, but we have all been given the same power for those who believe. And it doesn't matter whether you've been to church a million times or this is your first or second or third time coming. This is available to everyone who believes. And it is up to you to do so. So our perception of ourselves can be what prevents us from living in the fullness of God. But our worthiness is not dependent on our current status. It's not dependent on your resume, and it's not dependent on what you think you're capable of. Our worthiness is established by God. 
the one who created us. So my first point being, understanding your worth will show who God is. In Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. This is the foundation of Christianity. That we were created, all things were created by God, for God. And it's not my job to debate religion. I'm not trying to convince you the things that I believe. I'm not trying to com- combat science. I'm not trying to stir up logic. I'm not doing any of that. That's not my job. All I'm here to do is give you the word and show you what it says about who you are and what God has for us. And it is up to you to make your own judgment on whether you want to walk this way or not. It's not up to me. Parents can't force you. Husband, wife, girlfriend, brother, sister, nobody can force you. This is a relationship with God. You can't secondhand this. It is between you and God alone. And it is an, it's important that we understand what this scripture is saying. All things were created by him and for him. This means that our life has a purpose. What is that purpose? We are purposefully made for God, to be a pleasing creation for God. Not for our own glory, not for our own fame, but it always goes back to God. And it gets me like excited to know that my life has a purpose, that I'm not just here for some random reason like science would have you believe, that this isn't just a roll of a dice. No, we are here created specifically for God's plan and purpose, to spread his love in this gospel. And it is up to us to live in the manner that he has instructed us to do. That is our worthiness. It has nothing to do with us, everything to do with what God did. And we are just a result of what God did. Not just us in this room, but those online and those out in this world, whether you know God or not. God loves us. In Matthew 10, it says that even the hairs on our head are numbered. That is how much God knows us individually. And some of us have more hair than others, but God knows us better than we know ourselves. Every single person in this room, even those out in this world who are lost, God knows you better than you know yourself, for you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. The author and finisher of our faith, our heavenly father, he has a plan and a purpose for everyone. And the one who created everything is the one who assigns worth. He even sent Jesus to die for the entire world. And not just a death like we see in movies and TV and on shows where we really fall in love with this character. Well, I don't say fall in love. We get infatuated with a character that like, oh man, this is that person. Like I'm I'm supporting him all the way. And then they kind of get killed off in the show. It's not like that. This is above and beyond that. This is real life sacrifice. And the sacrifice that that he did for us isn't just for those who believe. Jesus died. God sent his son to die knowing that there was going to be people in this world that would reject him. Knowing that there are going to be people that would still waste their lives. Even through the suffering that he did, he died for all people. And it's important that we understand that through Jesus' sacrifice, that's the price that was paid for us. You can't separate yourself from that. 
going back to what Miss Teresa said about us being crowned, that crown is a spiritual thing. I challenge any one of you to take that crown off. You can't because it's not up to you. You're not the one that put it on there. And you can live however you want to live, but that doesn't stop God from loving you. God is always knocking at the door for everybody. It doesn't matter how many times you drop the ball. God loves you, and God wants you to prosper. And we're going to go into that more in, in a little bit. But he loves us so much that he has given everything to us. He has given us access to all that is within his kingdom. Yet despite hearing all this, we will still think of ourselves in a position of lacking. We will doubt the calling that God has placed on our hearts. And even despite hearing all this, we will count ourselves as insignificant. And it's a lie. It's a lie that we tell ourselves. It's the doubt that stops us, because we're stopping ourselves, from living in the fullness of God. God doesn't take it away from us. God doesn't offer up promises just to take them back later. No, God's promises remain true. His word remains true forever. And it is up to us to live in it. Which brings me to my second point. Understanding your worth will show you who you are. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Check this. I want to make sure you guys didn't miss this. You are a chosen race. doesn't matter what ethnicity or culture or upbringing you had. When you believe in God, you are part of something new. You are part of a chosen race, the race of God. There's no, there's no other when you are a child of God. So when people ask you who you are, you say, I am a man or woman of God. Because that is my identity. And funny enough, I had this sermon already prepared, but on Friday, I was talking to this electrician that came on my site for the very first time on Monday. We didn't really talk all week other than, like, construction, like, hey, I need you to go put these lights in, move a couple outlets, things like that, like normal construction talk. But Friday, right around the time he was leaving, he was leaving around 3 o'clock, he started talking to me, and we were talking about God. Completely out of nowhere. He's the one that brought it up. But the conversation that we were having was about, like, his life and his testimony. And I was telling him about me and the church and what we do. And then we started talking about the world and how today more than ever, there's people trying to identify with something to belong to something, to be grouped in under an umbrella of something. Yet, we as Christians already have that identity. There's nothing else to look for. When you are a part of God's family, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. If you ever feel alone as a Christian, you need to connect with the people. Connect with your people. Because you could be a Christian at work and feel like, oh, well, I'm kind of by myself here, even though you're surrounded by people, and it's because they're not like-minded. But as a Christian, in a world surrounded by unbelievers, it is up to us to shine the light. It is up to us to live by an example. And it's not our light that we're shining, but it's the Holy Spirit inside of us. And the reason why I mention that is because this whole conversation with the electrician started, his name's Daniel. Um, the reason this conversation with Daniel started is because all week, he was seeing me, but seeing something different about me. And never said anything about it. We just went, kept it professional, talking about what we got to do, blah, blah, blah. But all week he had this urge to come talk to me. 
And funny enough, when he had the conversation, he was like, I knew there was something different about you. I knew it. And it wasn't that I myself was any different, but it was something inside of me that he saw. And that is the life that we're supposed to live. That's how people are supposed to see us. And I'm not bragging. This isn't me like patting myself on the back, but it's just an example of how we as Christians should be viewed out in this world. We should be looked at differently. I, I, the one, one thing I don't like, like, this is a sidetrack, but I don't like when people say, like, as a Christian, you're supposed to be hated. Like, yeah, you're going to run into that, but that's not how it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be a weirdo outcast because you're Christian. But people, when they see you, will know, based on your faith, there's something different about you. And that is something that we as Christians all have access to, this light this guidance, the Holy Spirit that is inside of us, Jesus who has died for us so that we may be made righteous, set apart, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen race. Do you understand what it means to be chosen? That means that you were picked, you were selected, you were set apart. That, it's, it's such a powerful thing to, to think about. That is our worth. That is what we are worth to God. That each and every single one of us has been chosen. The hairs on our head, are, the hairs on our head are numbered. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is the God that we serve. And we're not set apart so that we can be better than anybody. We're not putting ourselves in a higher esteem than anybody else. But being a Christian means that you have been given a designated purpose. And living in that purpose is what is going to propel you forward. And it's not that we do it for our own fame or glory, like I said before, but we do it to honor God. He established us. He gave our lives a purpose. He determined our value. And it is up to us to live like it. It's more than just a physical life. It is a spiritual walk. Because you could be a millionaire and still live paycheck to paycheck. The worth that we have is more than any physical possession that we could ever own. It is above and beyond any of that. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been justified by faith. That means that justified. That means that we have been made right. We have been declared right through our faith in Jesus. That's the only way to the, to the Father is through Jesus and acknowledging the sacrifice that he did for every single one of us, those online and those out in this world. That is what establishes us. That price that has been paid, a debt that has been paid in full. I'll be the first one to say it. Sometimes I feel like I still owe something, but that's just me lying to myself. Because me saying that I still owe something means that what Jesus did wasn't enough. And that's a scary thing to think about. Me thinking that what I do is more powerful than what Jesus did. And I know I'm not the only one, but I'll be the first one to admit it. It's important that we recognize our worth that has been redeemed through Jesus. Our faith in what Jesus did for us is what connects us to God. And without faith and love for Jesus, you become the branch that is cut off from the tree. God is the tree. He is the source of our life. He feeds us. He guides us. He shows us the ways that we are meant to go. And for those that live apart from Jesus, you'll never truly be fed and satisfied. You will always be searching for something. But again, we are a chosen race. 
you belong. You are loved. You are cared for. You are not alone, which is the song we were just singing. I love that Mrs. Cena picked that set because it went along with my sermon perfectly. And she had no clue what I was talking about today, but it's just the Holy Spirit. It's an awesome thing. So it's not by our works that gets us into heaven. It's not by our works that we earn the kingdom's riches. And it's not through anything other than our relationship with God and our understanding of who he is that allows us to live royally. Like I said before, you could be a millionaire living paycheck to paycheck. It's not about the physical. It's about the spiritual title that God has placed on us. It is about the glory and the, and the peace and love that God has given us, his mercy. Something that we could never return. Yet God gives, us to, God gives it to us freely. Freely. It's a free gift. But it's, us, it's up to us to accept that gift. And ultimately, it's our heart for God that allows us to live up to the price that God paid for us. Our heart for God, our love for God. This is a relationship with God. This isn't a religion. Religion is rules and guidelines to make you fit into a group of people. No, this is a relationship with God. And it's a relationship that's one-on-one. Can't counterfeit it. For those of you who are married, it's more important than the marriage to your spouse. You got to have a relationship with God before you can have a relationship with anybody else. And that's something that is so important. And I didn't even mention this first service, but I feel like we should just go there. When I met my wife in college, I told her straight up. Well, this wasn't the beginning because in the beginning we were friends. But when we started getting to that level of seriousness, I told her straight up. I said, listen, I don't just put a title on anything. And you got to understand that in order for you to be with me, you got to be with God. That has to be. Because I've seen it the other way around and that don't work. And I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I've seen people who are Christians who are with somebody who doesn't believe. It's a struggle. And it's not a judgment, but it's hard. It's hard. You got to be like-minded. The Bible tells us not to be yoked with those who aren't like-minded because you're fighting, pulling in different directions. Like I said, not a judgment. I don't even know why we said it, but take that and go with it. I don't know. Uh, we, talk, we were talking about a heart for God. A heart for God means that you put God above everything and that you love him. And that because of your love for him, there's certain things that you're just not going to allow into your life. Certain things you're not going to allow yourself to do. Certain things that you're just going to have to give up because my love for God is more important than those things. Like music for me, that was a big one because I love music. I love music because that's something that God has placed in my heart. But there are certain types of music that I had to give up. Because my love for God was more than the music I was listening to. And it's like that in our lives. So when we think about a heart for God, we look at people in the Bible like David. Real simple. Young man, heart for God. On paper, he was just a shepherd. On paper. When you looked at him, he was a young, good looking man, young man, but he was a shepherd. Yet he was anointed at a young age to be the king of Israel. Then you look at people like Joseph, who was blessed with a gift of discernment, interpreting dreams, who went through trial after trial after trial, yet remained faithful to God throughout it all. Because he didn't let the situation overrule his relationship with God. Then you get people like Stephen, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the disciples, 
Abraham, Noah, Solomon, all these men in the Bible. I could have thrown in women in there, but I was just, this is where my mind was. There's so many people in the Bible that had a heart for God. And it wasn't their intentions to become famous. That was not their intentions at all. Yet, we still talk about them to this day because of their love for God was put above all other things. That's the kind of life God wants us to live. On fire for God. So that it's not just for us, but it impacts those around us. It's what we are called to do, to share this love in this gospel. So in my third point, understanding your worth will show God's plan for you. Now I got a couple of verses. You could pick whichever verse you want. I'm giving you a handful of them. Tell it to yourself at the start of every day and your life's going to change. Every day you tell yourself these verses. You don't have to pick all of them. Pick one. Write it down. Memorize it later. Every day start with this. Your life is going to change. The first one most people know. It's my mom's favorite scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So when reading these verses, we see that in his word, God has placed significant worth on our lives to never leave us, to never forsake us, for us to be prosperous in all things that we put our mind to, for us to be loved and set apart and to have a plan and a purpose for our life, to walk in peace, love, joy. I could have said the rest of the fruits of the Spirit, but it's okay. To walk in these things, that's the kind of worth that God has placed on us that he gives us everything freely and it takes us having a relationship and an understanding of who God is and who we are because of it. Nothing we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. He is with you every step of the way. This isn't a light switch you could just turn on and off. He is with you always, always knocking at the door, always. And it doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter even what you're going through today. It doesn't matter what you're about to do when you leave out these doors. God still loves you. God still loves you. He still has a plan and a purpose for you. But it is up to you individually to live this life. Like I said, parents can't make you. Husband can't make you. Wife can't make you. Kids can't make you. Friends can't make you. It is a one-on-one relationship. And it's something that when we choose this life, like God has chosen us, it goes above and beyond anything we could ask or think. God's plan will always be better than any plan we make. 
when we follow after God and we have a heart for God, he makes our paths straight, clear, defined, with a vision in mind. I didn't even talk about vision first service, but having a vision is more than just seeing. It's a goal. It's a mindset. It's a path to something that you were trying to obtain. And when it comes to our life as Christians, the vision isn't, okay, let me be like God. The vision is, how do I get to know God so that I can show people who he is? I've, I don't know why we're mentioning it now, but let's, let's go there. Again, uh, it's going to sound a little confusing, so I'm going to try not to get too like spiritual and like geeky. But if your plan is to be God, you're never going to get there. We're not perfect. So when you drop the ball... And I've had this conversation with my wife before because, like, we had this thing about, like, if you make a mistake, like, it's okay. It's not okay to make a mistake. But it's different if you make a mistake and you keep on doing the same thing over and over again. Versus you drop the ball, you realize the wrong that you did, and you truly turn away from it. That's repentance. People will be, a, people will be Christian, say, I believe this, I believe that, I believe this, yet... Constantly asking God for forgiveness. But this goes back to now, is what Jesus did truly enough? Because to me, it's a debt that's been paid in full. So I'm already forgiven, like what Miss Teresa said earlier about it being thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. We hold, our, we hold things against ourselves trying to be perfect. And that's not even what God called us to. Our worth is not based on the mistakes and, and the good things that we do. It's not based on our works. There you go. If you leave with anything today, worth is not based on works. It rhymes. It's perfect. It's not based on works. It's about what God did for us, and it's about us living in the manner that he told us to do, which is to love God and love people. Don't hold your mistakes against you, but if you keep on making the same mistakes, it's time to change it. Like my dad says, this is my favorite saying of his. If the shoe fits, change it. Don't wear it, change it. So, when you become a Christian, you are no longer damaged goods. You are made whole, you are sanctified and made righteous in the eyes of God. Because sitting on the right hand of the Father is Jesus. And when God sees us who believe, he sees Jesus. He sees the glory like Miss Teresa was saying that has been placed upon us. So be careful what you say or think about yourself because God is not a liar. And if what you say or think about yourself contradicts what the word says, you gotta check your faith. Because there is nothing we could say or do that's gonna change God's mind about us. God loves us. And God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of you. So as we come to our feet and we close, I want... I want this idea of worthiness to not leave your mind. To understand that your worth is not established by you. The price has already been paid. The price has already been set. And it's not a bill that you have to handle because it's already been handled. This is a life that God has freely given us to live prosperly. To live in peace and joy and understanding. Not to be afraid. Not to be doubtful of what he says about us. Not to be doubtful of the gifts that he has given every single one of you. I said this first service where 
God's plan and purpose isn't that everyone needs to come up here to give the sermon. Every day is an opportunity for you to share this faith in this gospel, whether through words, through action, or just living by example. Every day is an opportunity for you to share this faith and this good news. But it is up to you to live in that manner that God has called you to. People will see something different about you and be attracted to it. There is a light that if you allow it will shine through you. And it's not your light, it's God. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you. And people will approach you wanting to know what is it that makes you so different. That is the life that God has called us to. Not for our own glory, not for our own fame, but for him and him alone. For we were made by him for him. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.